This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Support for GigPod is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off plus free delivery with the code GIGPOD at manscaped.com. Out of control. Hello and thanks for tuning in to the latest segment of the Premiership Reels from Glasgow is Green, aka GigPod. We're now into March for the Covid death rate fell below 100 for the first time since October 2020. We had that interview with Oprah Winfrey, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and it was still nowhere near as much a car crash as Lenny's outburst in January uh, regarding Dubai. And speaking of princes, we said goodbye to TV's clown prince of attention, Piers Morgan. That was him away from Good Morning Britain. Now, with me to discuss this month in Celtic 2021 and making his gig pod debut is Ryan McGinley of the very cool podcast, The Celtic, The Thunder. Ryan, hello and welcome on. Thank you very much, mate. Thanks very much for having me. Um, I feel like it's two fourths of us have now been on GigPod after the other Ryan came on, so it's it's great to make my debut at long last. I'm buzzing to be here, mate. Thanks. That's all right. Should the other two be allowed on GigPod? I don't know. Um, in fact, there's there's another three of them, so <laughs> I can't even get the amount of people right. Um, they're all good boys, so I they, they would be fine coming on. Okay, well, the good news is they wouldn't be on talking about last season anyway. Um, and you know, when I started this, I thought this will be a cool wee thing to do. It's something different, and we can reminisce and have a bit of parter. But if truth be told, everybody, and I'm talking to the audience as well as Ryan here, it has become a dodge to the point. I'm just dying to get this over with because after every single one, after I hit finish record, it has been getting more and more utterly gotten to edit and talk about and just be reminded of the absolute shit show which was Celtic last season. Ryan, I'm sure you fully agree with me about how much a mess we were last season, but if I can start by casting your mind back to the 6th of March 2021. Now, Celtic weren't actually involved on this day. It was Rangers. Now, Rangers had already beat Livingston away. It was a huge win for them, and they were pretty much within touching distance of the title. They then played St Mirren, and if you can remember that day, Ibrox was like, you know, it was like a big, I don't want to say carnival atmosphere, because that's like a colourful sort of, and a, and a joyous thing, isn't it? But that was in the Ibrox that day. But regardless, the fans seemed to be having a good one, fair play to them, I suppose. But they beat St. Um, St. Minna 3-0, and for all intents and purposes, a lot of people thought the league was done anyway in January, but you saw after that game, they knew it was finished. They celebrated as if 
there's absolutely no way Celtic could even win in tomorrow. This is it. We have done it today. And I actually, naively, thought Celtic are going to see the images and they're going to go, no, we're going to keep you waiting. We're going to drag it out. We're going to delay it to April. If you want that title, we're going to make it a real dud for you. But what did Celtic do, Ryan? Celtic went to Tannadice and we finally relinquished a nine-year grip on the title after which can only be described. I mean, I would say, officially, I think it was described as a frustrating draw. But I found that. I mean, that, that's that's putting it mildly, isn't it? Aye, it was, it was absolutely tedious. I mean, I was looking back on the, the game as you do when you're doing your research before you're coming on. I mean, we get 27 shots, 12 on target. If we were on form, I think we would have won that game 3, 4, 5, nothing. But we were just at this point where we just battered shots at the goalkeeper or either they were skying over the bar or they were a couple of inches away from the post and it was just an absolute nightmare. Um, Edward could have scored a hat-trick, El Yunusi could have scored a hat-trick that day. It was just an absolute travesty. It was like every other game when we had pressure on his last season um, and I'm so glad that I can say last season because I do not want to think about this season anymore. But um, if we had any sort of pressure on his last season, we would always muck it up, we would always fall flat um, and that happened again against Dundee United. Yeah, it did. And obviously John Kennedy after it was, he said that he thought we were dominant in the game and we were. Celtic were the dominant team. We created a lot of chances, but it was about putting the ball in the net. We couldn't do that. And what Celtic did time and time again last season was be reduced to, John John Kennedy says we created a lot of chances. Now in the first maybe 20 minutes or so, yeah, I agree. But then see, when it became obvious that the, we just weren't getting the rub of the green and the ball wasn't dropping for us and we weren't getting that luck that we might usually do in these games. We didn't get that luck all season. But then we were resorting to the typical shots from like, like range, weren't we? Um, and it didn't help that Benjamin Segrist as well happened to be outstanding in that game, if you can remember. Yeah, yeah I do. I remember watching the... I was watching the, the clips again, as I was saying earlier. Um, I think this is this is where the whole link to him came from because every time that's, that story sort of died of him coming to Celtic, he would pull out another 10 out of 10 performance and he would put his name back in the shot window because we were obviously having goalkeeper troubles but he had a, a couple of great saves um, so did Bain with some weird, he saves them very weirdly in certain places um, but I, Benjamin Segrist had a really great game, it's not the first time he'd done that this season done it two or three times before so it was, wasn't to be um, it wasn't surprising at all you can say Let me ask you this one then Ryan so you cash your mind back all the way to like March 2020, you know, when the just before when the league actually did get stopped because of the coronavirus crisis and the pandemic, of course. Now, you look at that Celtic team, right? And somebody came up to you and said, like, the Celtic team are, th- they're flying now. We were playing brilliant football under Neil Lennon. Let's, let's not forget that because we were. Cham was in magnificent form. Ryan Christie was brilliant. Edward was just carrying us as well at times. Chris Ayer was a colossus for us at the back. We were just brilliant. Yeah, of course, we all remember what happened at Copenhagen game. But I'm not going to just ignore that. But when it came to the league, we were just battering teams mercilessly, you know? So, somebody comes up to you, Ryan, and says, look at the Celtic team, the way they're playing, how far ahead they are. One year later, this is the situation, this is what it's going to be. I mean, what would your reaction have possibly been? I'd be absolutely amazed. I mean, everything, everything that happened, it's like something out of a... I don't know if it was like a horror movie or a comedy movie. It's like a mixture of both. Maybe like one of the Scream movies. There's or a scary movie rather. That's what it was like with Celtic. Um, honestly, some of the stuff that's ha- that happened last season, you couldn't write it. But to be in such a massive, a massive advantage in terms of 
the playing style that we were. I mean, Rangers were on their last legs, basically. The, the Ibrox faithful were asking for Gerrard's head at the end of that Hamilton game. So to go from there to a year on and then we're, we're, we were 20 points behind at that point, you're like, how did this happen? Um, it was just an absolute nightmare. And you, you couldn't honestly make it up, some of the stuff that happened. It, it was beyond fantasy. Do you think that Rangers win over St Mirren the day before? The fact that they won it so comfortably, maybe slightly emphatically in the scenes and everything, do you think that demoralised the Celtic players rather than actually riled them up? I was I, I was thinking about this earlier and I, I just don't think they could have been any more demotivated or the morale couldn't be any lower at that point. Um, I think they were already at a bad, bad stage mentally with the way they were coming into games. I mean, before then, we, we'd only beat Aberdeen one nothing, and it wasn't even convincing. Um, so I, we were completely demoralised. And as I said before, any any sort of any sort of game that we came into where we had to win, it was a must win, or there was pressure on us. We seemed to just collapse under pressure. Um, and I didn't expect anything different. I'll be perfectly honest. I had no confidence at that time of the team, and they certainly didn't let me down in that respect. They were just an utter nightmare. Yeah. And I remember being on with so we got the mics right out after that game. We were fuming. And what we were fuming about uh, in that gig pod episode, it wasn't about losing the league. Because we've not got that. We've, uh, we always said at the time we still thought we had the best squad. To this day, I would say that Celtic team with a proper manager and coaching staff are a better team than Rangers. Now, the follow fall fanboys might listen to this and clip it, and I might be a meme or something. I don't know. But that's what I've always wanted. Please, please do that anyway. However, I think the annoying part was the fact that we handed the title to Rangers. Now, of course, it's all, the title was won through a season. It wasn't just that one game, and Rangers were by far, you know, they were superior in every aspect of us last season. They were worthy winners, and I'm not going to sit here and say no, they didn't deserve it. They did, of course, they did. But I think it was the fact that we couldn't just delay that and make it an anti-climax for them. It was the fact that we just surrendered so badly, and it was so meek. And I remember there was a fan media thing wasn't there like on the Friday before it and everybody was saying how John Kennedy talks so well and oh he's not going to take it lying down he really seems like he's got the fire in the belly and that was the moment for me when I'm like for all the for all the talk you need to see action we didn't see any of that in the pitch that day the team were just going through the motions there was no motivation as you were saying that the confidence was shot after 20 minutes when they knew they were only getting past that keeper there was no balance on the park I mean I remember seeing that like Ryan that in, in that game the midfield, it's just, it's woeful. You look at the midfield we had, right? There's Scott Brown, David Humble, Callum McGregor and Ryan Christie. There's just no balance to it. The one thing as well, at that point, there was no pace as well. They, they weren't quick enough. They just weren't sharp enough. I think it was Fuchs as well in the middle. He was just bossing it. I think he was the number 66, that boy. He was excellent that day for them. And we just couldn't get to grips with him. We couldn't, take, we couldn't just get to grips with that midfield. And after 20 minutes, she, it was so predictable. You knew the way it was going. And we couldn't even get up for it one last, another couple of last times to stop them gloating that early in the season. It was the fact that we just seemed to just accept it and go, nah, let's just get this all over with. And, and that was it. And it was just so unforgivable for me at that moment. I know. Um, it was just, it was awful the way we just surrendered the title. Like, I know we'd been dominant for nine years before and then all of a sudden we just surrender it so easily in a whimper away from home. Didn't even give them the chance to sort of win win the league against us or anything or win in another game. Um, 
the fact that it was it was us that gave it to them was just embarrassing. But I mean, I suppose it was consistent with the rest of the season because we've been embarrassing the whole season. So I mean, why why change now if we were so consistent with all our <laughs> with our ways of of terribleness through the season? Why change now? It was just it was a, a complete embarrassment. Um, I wish we'd put up more of a fight. I mean, you seen at the end of the game, there was just players walking about aimlessly. You seen Rogic, who just looked completely confused as to why he was there. Um, there was no togetherness in that team, and I thought there would be more of a fight. There wasn't even that new bounce that came with Kennedy either, um, which I thought would come. I thought they would they would be more. Um, Ruthless in front of goal, maybe under Kennedy with some new ideas, but it was just a continuation of the same. Um, so it was really disappointing to see the league get lost like that without a fight. And I think a lot of the pain up frustration came, Ryan, because remember at that time as well, we were still locked down, we were still really restricted. So you're just fending the TV. You can't, if you're at Tanadice and that happens, you can let out your anger, you can vent, you can shout and ball, but it's healthy. Um, and you're getting that out of your system and then you're going home and you're reflecting going yeah f- fair enough but because you're watching on tv and because you know you can't get out to see your mates you can't get out to see a lot of your family you're under these ridiculous restrictions that uh, even at that point a year in you're like how's this still going on i think all that was building up wasn't it and on top of the underperforming nonsense from celtic in the pitch and then after it when you saw the scenes at george square and you saw that was it. Rangers fans ended lockdown all of a sudden. That was it. They were free, free, they were free to do what they wanted, and it was just adding like so much anger and fury on it, wasn't it? Yeah, there was pent up anger that was going on and on and on. I, I've got to be honest, I wasn't as angry as what I was a couple of months prior because I think that anger had just become it, it turned to apathy. I, I just I was so angry after games that, and I kept on being angry game after game after game that I was getting to the point that I was numb to all the anger. That was like, I was just tired of thinking about Celtic. I just wanted. To, I wish at that point the Dundee United game was the last game of the season, and that was it. We could just draw a line on this terrible season. But no, we still had to play loads of games after that. But um, no, I seen the seen the Rangers fans flock to George Square and basically just ruin all the hard work that we, that we were doing beforehand. It was like, what's the point in doing a lockdown if other people can't control themselves and uh, stay in the house like they were instructed to? Obviously, through some. Through some uh, media more than others, you can say their manager didn't help that cause at all. Um, that he didn't make his message strong enough. But that well, was embarrassing. I mean, I, I felt sorry for the chairs at George Square and that getting getting absolutely destroyed and stuff. But I can't as with it is, isn't it? I mean, looking back on it, I, you kind of get sort of PTSD even thinking back on it. You're like, I can't even be, I can't even believe that happened only three four months ago. So I it was a complete nightmare scenario. But um, we move on, I guess. Yeah, but it's, I think when you contrast those scenes to, remember, when we were now zooming a row, if you want to call it that, when we got that title handed to us. Now, we didn't go into George Square. We didn't go uh, and give it the, the big game or anything after that because I think we all wanted to win that title on the pitch. Then that's what Celtic would have done that season. We all know that. We That's the way we were going anyway. But it was the fact that you know we didn't get to even do anything like that. I think we had to just go out in the back garden and sort of celebrate it, which you would rather be celebrating it at Celtic Park or in the Celtic way and seeing all the players and that also factored in. But, yep, Celtic on the 7th of March 2021 surrendered the league title to Rangers. Um, quite spectacularly failed to do a 10 in a row. So after that, we didn't have a game because Rangers were playing in Europe as well. We, of course, were knocked out after the disastrous campaign under Neil Lennon but in between Celtic drawn with Rangers which we'll talk about in a minute 
Do you know what happened on the 20th of March? Is it something to do with the vaccines? It is not, no. It was my second lockdown birthday, Ryan. Oh, I feel, ba- I feel bad for not knowing that. Sorry, I should have been reading the notes a wee bit more. That's all right. I'm not going to say what age I am anyway. Um, in my <laughs> early 30s, of course, getting a big Pinocchio nose coming out here. But no, um, <laughs> it happened to be my second birthday in lockdown. And as you can imagine, Ryan, it was absolute fucking murder. But for this wee brief 30 seconds or so, we can talk about me being an absolute legend and being on this planet to purely deliver the best Celtic content in the biz, can't we? Absolutely. And, and you know, I can't even say anything against that because GigPod is one of my favourite podcasts. It's one of the ones I go to. I've been listening since November. Obviously, I wasn't there when it was going the first time, but when, when it came around the second time, a couple of my pals messaged me and saying, oh, GigPod's back. So I just I, I took the time to listen. My first episode was the, the Sparta Prague shoot with Etienne Bojan. And from then on, I've been a, a, a massive fan. So thank you for keeping me entertained during lockdown. Very welcome. And of course, to the audience, Etienne Bojan happens to be my very good friend, Sean, who I've known for years, and you can check him out. He usually comes on whenever there's a, a big shoot to do, and it's usually quite spectacular, <laughs> isn't it, Ryan? It really is. I think he's done a he's done a couple so far, and every, every single time they've been hilarious. I remember his Hulk Hogan podcast, Hulk Hogan sort of impression in particular, which was absolutely hilarious. Um, if you haven't seen that, check that out, because I was absolutely pissing myself with laughter all throughout that. Talking about pissing yourself with laughter, I mean, that's the way we ended up going when we drew one each with Angels. I actually started laughing, Ryan, at a certain point in this game, um, and I'll get to that a wee bit later, but in the build-up to it, I just want to ask you, before the Daz all come on and start bombarding me, saying there's no such thing as a meaningless game against these scumbags, I'm not (laughs) meaning it literally, I'm just meaning like, it did feel like a genuine dead rubber game. Because I think as well the fact that no fans added to the millies in the match. And I remember Rangers fans came to Celtic Park in May 2020 when Lennon was interim manager. And they quite literally said they were just going to go and have a laugh, get newspapers and cheer, even Celtic goals and all that. But even then, being at that game, it still felt... To them it might have been a dead rubber, but it wasn't to us. It still felt as if we had something to play for. We were looking to end the season on a high by winning. I think it was like... Ironically enough, 10 in a row wasn't it under Lennon? Um, and I think that was like the 8th or ninth game we might have won in a row. And it did feel like good to get one over them. Um, it, as hollow as it was, it still felt good. But this game, I remember being on my spunk phone and being on with Rizzo and saying, no matter what, this does feel like the biggest dead rubber of all time against Rangers. And Ryan, you're a wee bit younger than myself. Okay, considerably younger than myself, actually. <laughs> all right. But was that possibly for you in your lifetime the most pointless game against them? I would say it's definitely up there, yeah, definitely, because usually the, the fans take care of themselves. They make it sort of a that heated derby that everyone looks forward to in the fixture sheet or the fixture list. Um, but the fact there was none of them, the fact that the league was over, the fact that um, we had an interim manager, we didn't even have anyone to play for at that point. It was just a complete dead rubber, you're right. Um, it was eerie. It, it I never get used to the zero crowd, zero fans at the games, but um, it was even more eerie during the Celtic Rangers games. Um, it was just one of those games that it needs to have 60,000 people or 50,000 if it's at Ibrox. Um, so it's not something that I'll never, ever get used to, having no fans there. But um, I, it was a complete dead rubber of a game. It was difficult to get up for. I mean, on the day, I was like, right, I'd love to, I'd love to beat them. But at the same time, it was like, there's nothing, there's nothing riding on it whatsoever. It's just pride at this point and... 
mean, my pride had already been hit quite a couple of times before this season. So, I, I was, I was very downbeat when this game came along, unfortunately. And this was the game after, I believe, Rangers were knocked out of Europe, weren't they? We did take the lead through a cracking goal. Brilliant work on the wing by Edward. And I thought Kilianusi's header was a cracker. Got right in between Goldson and Hollander. Um, McGregor had no chance. And it was a brilliant, brilliant finish to put us ahead. It was brilliant, yeah. Um, Eddie just showed me he can do best. He's that sort of flair player. He turns up in the big games most of the time. Um Brilliant down the wing, great cross, and then El Yunusi was doing his best. Charlie McGrew in 2012 um, impression. It was sort of a diving header, not like well, quite a bit like uh, Charlie McGrew back in that back in that game. That was when the league was over as well. That game, but that game meant something because that was the sort of last game for a number of years. Um, but um, aye, it was a it was a great start to the game, and El Yunusi scored. He finally scored against Rangers, which he should have done a lot earlier. Um, he didn't manage to do so. That was a, that was an absolute setter back. A couple of months ago, um, but I it was a it was a, it was a good start for the team, and I was I was up for it at that point because we were winning. And I was like, finally, we might be able to break their undefeated streak. Um, I was feeling like Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. I was like, we've got a chance here, we've got a chance here. But, um, no, that that wasn't to last, of course. No, and this is about where I did just burst out laughing, and you know what's coming. <laughs> I know what, what that is already, mate. What Jonathan Joseph <laughs> Kenny was thinking. I will never, I will never, I mean, I might even get him on a podcast to ask him one day, but I don't know what he was thinking with that back pass for the halfway line, but see when that ball went out and you saw how frail we were with set pieces, I knew what was coming. Now, I didn't know that a certain striker was going to actually break his duck against us and score, but I knew that there was going to be something after it because you knew the way we were with set pieces, especially ones that were stupidly conceded. And right enough, um, a ball comes in, Balogun heads it on, and Morelos is looking at the back post just to nod it into the net. Now, it ended his four years of personal hell against us, but it was just, when it comes to talking about set pieces in Celtic, as I've done on these Premiership years ones, it just seems like all I'm doing is repeating myself, because it was the same one, wasn't it? A flick on with somebody at the back post, we conceded that one time and time again, and we conceded it even more um, in future episodes, and we just never learn from it. Like you'd expect in Kennedy to pick up on that as a defender himself to pick up on that and go, "I like this is what we're going to have to start cutting out since Neil Lennon neglected it." But Lennon goes away, Kennedy comes in, uh, and it's the same old Celtic. I know it sort of heated the fire of those guys that said that um, John Kennedy was the defensive coach. Oh, he's a defender; he must be a defensive coach. They're like, "Oh, he still doesn't defend. He still doesn't." Um, sort of train it, train it into them to to sort of uh, defend a corner, but um, no, it was an absolute nightmare. You could, it was a carbon copy of about ten goals that we conceded that season. It was just a flick on, and then somebody was at the back post or someone was there open. And funnily enough, it was John Joe Kenny that was the man that was supposed to be picking up Morelos, and he was just standing there. He was an absolute disaster of a player. Um, I it all started from his his. Um, giving away the ball when he had no pressure on him from the halfway line. Um, it was absolutely mental. Um, one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a Celtic Rangers game. Um, and there has been quite a few this season, but he was one of the worst. He was just absolutely dreadful. But I, Morelos, broke his duck after four years. I thought it would never happen. But, do you know, if, if he was going to do it, he might as well do it in front of zero fans when there was absolutely no pressure in the game. And I tell you what, that was the one thing I was always dreading, him doing it, because I had so much of a laugh at him um, at the games and just, you know, on Twitter and everything. And see when he did it, I was expecting when he did it, 
it was going to really crush me. And I got to say, see, when they did it, I just went, you know, fair enough. Did you have that same sort of, sort of slightly, you know, dejected, but it wasn't like earth shattering, was it? No, it was like that apathy that I was talking about earlier to go with the whole season. By that point, I was like, you know, it's just a goal. Goals don't even hurt me anymore. I was just, just not even bothered anymore because you sort of expect whenever, whenever we gave away a set piece or a corner or a, a free kick as well, um, that we were just going to concede a goal off of it. And when that first, when that first flick on was won by Balogun, then you just knew there was trouble. Um, and we've just at that time we just don't have a goalkeeper that's commanding at all. Um, so you just knew that we had no chance. And I, it was just that apathy that set in. I was like, you know, just expect it at this point. It was very difficult to take much from that game anyway. You know, for a Celtic point of view, Edward and El Unice, that was their best link-up, I'd say, of the, the season. And a game that ultimately meant absolutely nothing, really. Uh, for Rangers, that was it. Their season was done anyway. And they still obviously had a double to look forward to. Oh, that was what they, they tried to do anyway. And we'll get into more of that in another episode. How bad is that that it was turned out that St. Johnston putting Rangers out turned out to be one of their biggest highlights of the season? Sums it all up. But I'd say even the fact that, you know, Rangers were far for their best and there was... It was an emotional and physical toll after the Slavia Prague defeat, and I thought we'd go into that feeling fresh because we didn't have a game in like you know, two weeks. Rangers did look as if they were fatigued. They were still able to get a draw at Celtic Park, and that was the big thing from from it, wasn't it? You're, you're saying, well, there's just so much we've got to be doing for next season and so much to improve upon. But it's not all doom and gloom, and it wasn't all doom and gloom, certainly, because do you know, Ryan? It was a daily record high in March of 844,285 people that were given a COVID-19 vaccination and it brought the total, having received their first jab, to 27.6 million in the UK. So, every cloud there. Yep, absolutely. Thank goodness we're suddenly getting back to normal with this sort of thing. I was about to say that. I I mean, today we are recording on this podcast after I've been told that restrictions are finally going to be away soon. How do you feel about it? Oh, I'm feeling absolutely brilliant. Um, it's been a hellish 18 months for everyone. I would say everyone's absolutely hated it. Um, but I, it's been a, it's been a complete nightmare. Stuck, stuck in the house for the majority of it. Um, obviously, I went back to college, so I was trying to keep myself motivated with that. And then I was out doing delivery driving as well, just to get out of the house, just for an excuse to have to go out of the house and do something. So. It's good that we'll be able to get back to normal sometime soon. Hopefully we're back at Celtic Park sometime soon as well. I would say I suffer the most because when I brought back Gigpod, I had to be talking to Rizzo on a regular basis in lockdown. <laughs> so that was a very, very tough one for me. But Ryan, I mean, let's when we talk about you and your podcast now, the Celtic the Thunder, you guys were actually found yourself, you grew over lockdown and you started like doing you know, your podcast remotely. And now you're, I think you've adapted to that actually, first off, but now you've got a studio. So... How has that all came about and how did you guys all meet and have you all just been sort of in college together or what? Or have you known each other for like when you were kids? Um, so Kieran and Ryan, two of the, the regulars in the Celtic the Thunder, they both have known each other for a good while. They went to uni together um, and now they're in the same college but they're a year apart because Kieran went a year after Ryan. But um, I met Ryan in college because I, I I've been on and off doing journalism for the past five years and um, I thought... It's now or never. I'll do it while we're in lockdown, go back and get my qualification in journalism. Um, so Ryan was on one of the first Zoom calls on in the college, like sort of the induction classes. Um, so I got to know him pretty well. I knew he was quite a big guy in the sort of YouTube scene. So we just became pally and then 
from then he invited me on to start the Celtic the Thunder and we've, we started by doing Zoom calls because I'd, I'd never actually met them all in, in person so that wasn't until me that I actually met them but um, but yeah we, we've we've made a close bond with each other and um, it's, it's it's really been great it's, it's kept me sane talking about Celtic bad or good it's kept me sane having that, that sort of outlet to sort of convey my emotions to the, to the masses you could say um, so yeah it's gone from strength to strength and we've recently got um, a sort of slot in a studio which is quite good um, so the, the podcast should be of a higher quality from here on in which is always a good thing and not only that now the Celtic the Thunder are also part of the fan media network with the club which is great yeah it's it's great to get uh, recognised by the club and I think it's uh, it's, it's probably all down to Dominic Mackay looking for that fan fan media engagement. He's looking to sort of strengthen that bond between the fans that make media and the and the club itself. So it's good that we're getting invited to these sorts of things, and it's 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 really good fun, and it and it gives it gives our podcast some exposure as well, and it gives us a sort of reassurance that we're doing a good job and um and that we're uh, progressing the way we want to. I mean, the only way is up, I feel, for our podcast, which is pretty good. For any of the audience that are listening and they might not know where you are or also where your podcast is, why don't you tell them where they can find you? I will do. So my Twitter at is McGinley with A-Y at the end. Some people get the spelling wrong all the time. It's, it's a nightmare. But um, our podcast is at Selic Podcast. That's S-E-L-L-I-K Podcast. Um, and we... We drop videos every week, um, most weeks, and we try and do phone-ins as well as podcasts, so there's always something to, to watch or catch up on, and it's great fun. You guys have way too much energy for the likes of myself and me, so two old men, where one podcast a week for us is probably o- overkill, but we do it anyway, but of course we've now brought in Spunk Phone, as you know, who is the, the youthful energy, well... <laughs> that's one way you can put it. I, I was about to say that's one way to put it anyway, but... He, it drives us rather than drains us, but certainly, Ryan, um, all I can say to you is thanks a lot for coming on to GigPod, and we'll make sure that we plug your account and your podcast account as well in the channel. Thanks very much, Stevie. Thanks for having me, and good luck with the rest of the podcast. Well, there we are. Another Premiership Years podcast, done and dusted, and I'm so happy to say we have only two more of these to go, with Boys Analytics for April and the wonderful Rizzo for May. Now, we knocked out of the Scottish Cup at Ibrox, drawn with Aberdeen once more, and a third game where we couldn't beat Hibs. Cannot wait to discuss all of that and more on GigPod. You know where we are, so give us a subscribe or a follow. Or both. Hail, hail. Podcast Network.